This is the Ballroom State of Mind podcast, episode 52, a dance chat with Forrest Vance. Welcome to the Ballroom State of Mind podcast. I'm Amber Hader and I'm your host. I am an amateur ballroom dancer and I'm also a personal mindset coach. When I started dancing just a few years ago, I started to recognize pretty quickly the ways in which my head was getting in my way. And I could see it in the other dancers around me as well. So I determined pretty quickly that I gotta find a way to get these mindset tools that I use in my professional life into the hands of dancers so that they can improve faster, they can have more fun, less anxiety, and win more. We all wanna win a little bit more, not only in our dancing, but in life. The tools I share in this podcast are going to help you do both. Thanks for being here. When I first started my podcast, I guess it was a little over a year ago, maybe a year half ago, I sent a couple of episodes to some friends of mine and they were very kind to give me feedback. They were mostly complimentary, but sometimes had a little bit to tell me, but, um, One of them did say at the time, Amber, you should really consider doing conversations, doing interviews on your podcast, because you're so good with that. You're so um, fun to have a conversation with. And at the time I didn't disagree with him, but it was just such a big ask because just even being brave enough to start the podcast in the first place and overcoming all my perfectionisms, um, it was, it just seemed like a lot to try to incorporate another person, but I'm very thrilled today to have a guest on my podcast. So This interview, which I want to just call a dance chat, is with Forrest Vance, who is um, an icon in the industry. If you don't know who he is, I'll introduce him in a second and all of his accolades. But I'm very pleased that he's the first one that I brought on the podcast because I just think he's such a lovely human being. And I've enjoyed going to his um, competition um, for several years. So let me give you a little introduction to him so you know who he is. I haven't been in the ballroom industry all that long, just a few years. And so... Sometimes we hear names and we see people and we connect the dots and sometimes we don't. So let me just give you a little bit of background on Forrest Vance. Okay. He is a highly accomplished dancer, teacher, coach, consultant, choreographer, and adjudicator. And his career spans over four decades. He holds all level of certification and examinations in American and international styles in multiple dance instruction organizations like Fred Astaire Dance Studios and the National Dance Council of America and more. His extensive experience in the industry makes him a very valuable resource for top professionals, pro-am, and amateur couples. Forrest's impressive dance career includes numerous championships in American rhythm and Latin categories, including, get this, five-time undefeated USA American Rhythm Champion, Fred Astaire seven-time American Rhythm Champion, two-time International Latin Champion, four-time Canadian American Rhythm Champion, and many others. He's also been recognized with several awards, including the 2010 Hanlon Ford Award and the 2012 Professional Hall of Fame Award. Apart from his dance career, Forrest is a successful producer of Not Strictly Ballroom instructional dance videos in ballroom Latin and country dancing, and he organizes and hosts the very fun People's Choice Dance Sport Competition, which I highly recommend. So let's get started, and I want you to enjoy this dance chat with Forrest Vance. Forrest, First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on this call with me. I really appreciate it. I'm excited. I'm always nice to share whatever information I might have about 
dance life. <laughs> yeah. So how, so I'm kind of new to the industry, actually. I've only been dancing a few years. And so I'm still getting to know everybody in the industry, but um, I met you at your competition, the people's choice competition. And I have to say, I've done like 17 competitions, I think in the three years I've been dancing and yours is always a bright spot in my mind. I just love it so much. And one of the things that I always notice about you is you're so present. You're so present at the competition. I think that's really, really important. You know, uh, I go to a lot of competitions, which, you know, over 45 years, I've competed yeah. pro for 45 years and uh, professionally. And it, and it was always very important to me for the organizer, whether I knew them or not, or they were my friends that, they would acknowledge me and also acknowledge my students. And I think sometimes that didn't sit well with me when they'd even take the, a minute mm -hmm. to say like, hello, or thank me for their support or coming or the same for bringing my students. And, you know, like your teacher, I was very uh, fulfilling for a competition because I would take seven, eight, nine, ten ladies and do hundreds, 500, yeah. 600 entries and, package holders and that's a lot of money you know that uh i would bring to that person via my student body mm -hmm. you didn't get any kind of like oh thanks for being here i appreciate you so much or tell you just your lady you know how nice she looks or good luck or a yeah. little hug you know that was uh that's very important because i'm it's a people business mm -hmm. and i could take my money a lot of places so i do try very hard to uh be as present as I can and to reach out and touch people as, as much as I can because they become my friends. And like, you know, I, I thought we met in um, Las Vegas the first time. And uh, I thought you guys were all cheering for my student and I, Debbie, and we were making, and I was goofing off while I was competing with her, you know, taking the big bows. And, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you guys said, we were coming, you know, I went over and introduced myself. And thank you for cheering. And that's, then that's certainly possible because we do that. Unless you came like the first time anonymous, anonymously and I didn't really know you and I just, uh, you know, spoke to you, but mm -hmm. I just remember vividly meeting you guys in Las Vegas. And then, you know, we kind of, you know, formed like a friendship. Now it's exciting to see you wherever, you know, we're at the same place at the same time cheering for each other. That's right. I love, love cheering. It's like my favorite thing to do. So if I'm like not on the floor, I want to, cheer people on. I want to just fill the room with love and light and just give that to the people that are dancing. Cause I know for myself, that helps me have someone to dance for first of all, but I just firmly believe that we can do that. Like I, I am very competitive. I want to win all the time, but also I want to be there for the other competitors. And I think it can be like, I'm lifting you up. You're lifting me up and we're all competing better because of it. And I just think it makes such a more fun environment anyway. Absolutely. I mean, my students have always been, you know, very um, cheerful and very energetic and they're always there for each other. And then we, we cheer for other people that we meet and, you know, um, the energy, you know, the energy in the room or the, the energy that comes to you is like, like you said, it makes you dance better. It makes you perform. I mean, even when I was up and coming, was not a champion. I could rock that house because <laughs> I don't know what it was about my face or my smile or the way I danced, you know, I, I would look at people and before you knew it, I mean, I had all kinds of people I didn't even know, 
you know, cheering from me. And even if I didn't win, it was like more important to have audience loving me because yeah. in the judging, you know, there were so many political sides, you know, yeah. time restraints. I have to be around a certain time. I have to make everybody happy. And as you know, that's very difficult to do to make everybody happy. <laughs> well, I just, even if we're at a competition, even if the organizer mm. can't specifically come up to me, I, especially in your case, I very much noticed you were in the ballroom a lot. Like if I was in, um, you know, the room having dinner, like you were in the room with us, like, is everything okay? Are you enjoying the food? And then we would dance nightclub and it would go well into the night and you would be there <laughs> till like the very bitter end. And so even if you didn't come up to us, which you did, but even if you didn't, like, it's not lost on us that you're at Geek, you're there, you're taking care of us, you're making sure we're having a good experience. And so I just want to express my appreciation for you. And that was, that was crazy the year that you guys <laughs> after the pandemic, because we were one of the first events after the pandemic. We went up like 3,000 entries. And I just remember starting at like seven in the morning and going until 1.30 every day. No breaks for meals. You had to eat when you got a chance. Yeah. And even like my crew, my staff, they were like working crazy. And I stayed and I was like, okay, you go to bed. I'm going to do the running. So I did the running to get the uh, you know tabulation from the judges. And then a lot of people were like standing up doing disco lines and you know all that because it was 1.30 in the morning. The enthusiasm was amazing. And then I remember like after that one night, I had a TV interview at like two in the morning uh. after, you know, from a 7 a.m. until 2 a.m. we were up and then I had to look good and be all perky. I'm like, oh my God. No. But it was it was really exciting the the energy that was in the room. All, all the whole weekend. I mean, it just mm -hmm. for some reason, the energy at my competition is very friendly and very enthusiastic, yeah. which is, but you know, like I've told you before, the people that come to my event, a lot of them are my friends, mm -hmm. whether they're professionals or students that I've met in my journey. And, you know, they're, and they're good people. You know, they cheer for other people. You know, they're not going to hate you because you beat them. And yeah. like I tell my students, if you win today, congratulate everybody down the line because tomorrow you could be six. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to hope they do the same thing for you. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, one of the things we talked about, I saw you recently at competition, which was so fun. And it was a smaller competition, which I kind of love because when we're at a smaller competition, we get like just a little bit more time to kind of talk and um, visit a little bit. And I was remembering the interview that you did with Livia Zanger sometime last year. And what I specifically remember about that interview that kind of impressed me so much and I wanted to revisit with you was you had talked about your early years dancing and all of the efforts you had to make to make it happen. I, I like, if I recall, you had to travel a long distance and you had to like work late to, and have jobs to make the money. Can you remind me how that went? Well, I've always taught anywhere between, between 10 and 12 lessons a day for about 35 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just remember when I was young, you know, I didn't make very much money and I used to have to teach maybe 10 10 lessons to afford one coaching lesson. So I'd be lucky if I got two coaching lessons a month because, you know, I had to pay for living, of course, car, food. Mm -hmm. I mean, I ate on a coupon every day. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I my budget was like $5 a day for, you know, my, my meal. And I never went out to bars or clubs. And if we did, we went in where you could get in free, like before nine o'clock and then we'd leave and get all cleaned up and go at 11 o'clock at night when it was just starting to 
be happening. Um, but, you know, I learned to sew because I, I couldn't afford to buy, you know, my costumes and I didn't drink because it was more, I was training and it was more important to buy a gross rhinestone for 12 or $14 than one cocktail at a bar, you know? So I did a lot of things like that. And of course, like I learned to sew, we had a friend that she would make like maybe the pants or she would make the shirt and then I would hand sew the appliques and do all the sequining or stoning or whatever it took, you know? So I, I tried not to look Mr. Homemade, you know, like I right. couldn't a nice costume. I really like tried to stone it up and look like, you know, I belonged, even though it still had that hint of homemade costume. <laughs> it wasn't, I remember when I got my first costume made for me, I was like, oh my God, this is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. And back then, nobody, you know, the professionals really had um, costume sponsors. The only sponsor I had was uh, for shoes. Mm -hmm. And I never bought a pair of dance shoes, but, you know, they would have my shoes made for me and I wore purple or I wore teal suede or I wore navy blue velvet, whatever I wore, they would make my shoes for me. And I think today I'm still living off those shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, when, you were, when you were a kid and you first got started dancing, tell me how you got started. Was it in social dance or something? I feel like. Uh, well, I was like for 16. hustle. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I was like 16, and it was like disco time. So you know, I was learning hustle from my friends, and uh, I had a fake ID, like everybody did, to get into clubs. So uh, even though I didn't probably look of age, you know, we would go dancing. And back then, um, they they used to publish a magazine at this really big nightclub called um, America. I mean, um, Baltimore top 10 disco dancers and I was in there all the time with my friends oh. and then you know I was uh probably like a senior in high school when I graduated I, I earned three scholarships on mathematics to study anywhere in the United States or abroad with everything paid for wow. and I decided to stay home and go to the community college I was working at Sears uh part-time I was going to college full-time with a full schedule and um my mother said as a joke one day, why don't you try to get a job dancing if you're so good? And so I said, I will. There's a studio mm. that I pass every day on the way to college. So I went in and they asked me to dance for them, just gave me some you know, random girl at work there. And I just said, I don't really know anything except what I do at the clubs, a little hustle. And they liked it. And she said, I want to start training you, you know, like immediately. So I went every day after college for two hours before I went to my part-time slash full-time job because I was, you know, I was like 14 or 15 credits into college. And then I was working like probably six or seven hours a day. So I still was working like full-time hours at Sears, but also training there. And after about four months, I went in to say, you know, this is not for me. I think I'm going to stop because they would just like show me a couple of steps and then put me in a room by myself and say practice. Well, you know, two hours in a room with no windows by yourself to practice two steps yeah. is a little redundant and boring. So, um, I went back and I said, I'm going to not continue. Long story short, I said, okay, I'll, I'll give you two weeks. So she started training for two weeks, nonstop every day. And I started teaching and I liked it so much after when I finished my first full year of college, uh, I told my mom I was going to quit college and pursue my dancing. And she was not unhappy. She said, I'd like you to do whatever you want to do. Just know that we can't afford to put you through school. So you'd have to pay for your pay for it for yourself. And I said, well, I've wanted to dance my entire life since I could walk. Yeah. I can remember them taking home movies and I'm dancing in a diaper and then I'm dancing in Mondawear and then I'm mimicking <laughs> what I'm seeing on TV, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, I mean, whatever. And I, I wanted to take dance, but my father 
first of all, he said, we can't afford it. But secondly, he said, boys don't dance. Mm -hmm. So we're not doing anything like that. So I kind of had that obstacle my, you know, my whole life growing up in a small town. And then I just said, you know what? My future and what I want to do is about me. And it's about what I want to do that would make me happy. I was going to college to be a school teacher to teach the hearing impaired. My bro my younger brother was uh, lost his hearing at the age of two. So I knew sign language. And I that's what my mom was encouraging me to do as well. And then I decided that I was doing everything for everybody else but me. Mm -hmm. So then I started dancing and then, you know, it was really cool because I'm still a teacher, you know, so I'm really fulfilling yeah. um, the teaching responsibility and I'm really good with people and I'm really good at teaching and, uh, you know, I get to travel and I get to dance. So, you know, it's a win, 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 win for me and probably most of the people I, I come into contact with because even after 45 years, I'm still as enthusiastic about what I was doing when I was 17 mm -hmm. with the dancing that I am today at 63. So mm -hmm. oh my gosh. I love it. I, I can relate in some ways. I didn't start when I was, well, I used to dance like in my bedroom, making up dances with my girlfriends. And, you know, I like never missed a school dance. I never missed a church dance, but I never did any formal dance training growing up. I did a lot of athletics. I did soccer. I did track and other things, but I always loved dancing, but I never pursued it, which is kind of weird. I even went to BYU where there's like the big whole ballroom thing going on. But I just like, I don't know. I was just not aware. It was just not the time is what I've decided for myself. It was like, <laughs> that was not my time. My time is now when, after I turned 40 and I was like, I kind of want to try this, but, but I feel the same level of kind of obsession <laughs> with it now, you know? So I relate to that. Um, another question I have for you is you've been in this industry a long time and based on your stories and stuff, you've, you've been in like every part of this industry probably. So what is your favorite? Well, I think I'm, I'm kind of a unique individual as far as that comes to be, because when I was, uh, oh, first, before I tell you this, I wanted to yeah. tell you, it was funny because my brother, who was like totally the handsome, perfect sports person, <laughs> you know, good at everything like that. Um, he was a singer in a band, like they had a rock band and they used to play at the CYO all the time. And I used to go and I would dance, you know, and in, in like the crowd, you know, and people were like, you need to get up on the stage with your, you know, with your brother singing in his band. So they got me up on the, on the stage. And I was like, <laughs> then I became like a male, like go-go dancer. I'm just like, oh, nice. constantly <laughs> all by myself up there on the stage. And people would say, we're not here to hear, we're not here to hear your brother. We're here to watch you dance. And so, <laughs> and I'm like, I was probably like 10 or 11 years old. I mean, oh, it was just hysterically funny. But then, you know, like when I, when I got into the business, um, you know, of course I was a new teacher and they had me work with new people and I'm really, I was really good, easy to talk to. So I worked very well with new people and most people extended on their programs and I wanted to be a dancer and to be a champion at one, at some time in my life. And I can remember when I asked to be an advanced teacher and not a, working with just beginners to walk, walk side together forever. Yeah. They said, well, no, that's where you work out best. Your percentage rate is like mm -hmm. 97%. You know, that's where we see that, you know, and no, you can't. And I said, well, that's what I don't, I don't want to do that forever. I want to know really how to become a great dancer. And they didn't, wouldn't let me. So yeah. as soon as I got the, I got an opportunity where um, somebody was going to hire me to be an advanced teacher in Oklahoma, which was, clear across the country. I was only 18 at this time. Um, actually, I wasn't even 18 because I, I graduated early, a year early. I was 17 and I went to college when I was 17 and I quit at the end of, you know, 
So before my 18th birthday, I moved out to Oklahoma because that was the number one studio in the United States. They had like 36 full-time teachers. They were going to teach me to be an advanced teacher. So when I got there, you know, um, I started doing that. And it was, it was, you know, like I like you had to learn all the facets of the business of like, you know, how to dress, how to talk, you know, how yeah. to sell, how to, how to always create ex excitement and enthusiasm with the product, you know, because it is a business like anything else. Mm -hmm. And I mean, through the years, I just went through the ranks. You know, I mean, I was a beginner teacher for a long time. Then I became an advanced teacher. Then I became dance director because of my ability. Then I later became a supervisor because of how well I did and all that. And then I, you, then I later became like a co-owner and manager of the largest studio in the United States. And I, and I was competing full time as yeah. a professional. I was uh, teaching seventy hours a week. I mean, looking back, I don't really know how I did it. Yeah, I just went from you know nine o'clock in the morning until eleven o'clock at night every single day. And it was amazing. So I like the business side because I have to make money in order to pursue my own personal mm -hmm. dreams because my lessons back then would probably cost over $200 a lesson where that's still not even where some studios are. But, you know, as when they bring coaches in, of course, the price escalates because I'm here for hotel meals, et cetera. So um, it was difficult not to be a business person and also a dancer, but I like them both equally mm -hmm. because when it came time for my, my students to decide like on a competition or a fun trip or doing a showcase or whatever, I never really had to beg somebody or try to like, you know, convince them to be in it. They just pretty much say how much and mm -hmm. when is it? Because, you know, I had good work ethics. I was yeah. trained well by very good people to be on time, dressed the right way, saying the right things, you know, making the best dancer I could. And Regardless whether wherever somebody's talent would lie, whether they were, you know, 18 or 80 or knock kneed, bow legged, flat footed, mm -hmm. humped over. I mean, whatever situation of where life took the a, a person, I just said, you know, we can we can change your posture. I, I can teach you how to use your feet. I can show you how to make your legs pretty, you know, um, through camouflage or costuming and uh, creative choreography and different leg lines, because the whole idea about anything in life to be successful is to hide your flaws mm. and so you know i personally had my own little flaws you know they told me oh you're too short i'm like yours yeah. are a requirement to be a champion and then it's like oh you're too rhythmical excuse me i thought i was doing rhythm and latin as right. my category so you know oh well then you spin too much and you know you use your hands and it was just like weird because i'm like well i don't understand why i can't be rhythmical if i'm doing a latin category and then um you know, they'll say, well, other boys don't spin. You should stand still so we can focus on your girl more because you're like the peacock. We see you more than we see her. And I go, well, give her more stuff to do. The other boys have to stand still. Yeah, I do spin very well. And, you know, I mean, that was kind of a, a new thing that came in, you know, into my into the dancing back in my era, myself and some of my other colleagues and champions, they did the same. I mean, they we started spinning and kicking and doing almost everything a girl could do mm -hmm. um, just as equal. And then it got to a point where if you can't spin, you're not going to make it. Mm. You can't use your hands in a, in a nice, you're not going to make it, you know? So everything like, you know, you were put down for, I was put down there for being, for being different. Yeah. Um, yeah. It became, and I said, well, this is what I believe in. It's what I feel. It's what comes out of my heart, comes out mm -hmm. with the music. You know, I don't really know what I do. I just know when I'm doing it, I'm having a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. And eventually they had to market 
Yeah. Okay. I love that because one of the things that I talk to my clients about when I work with them privately is focusing on their strengths and really developing their strengths and even knowing their strengths, because so often what they're focused on is what I don't have, what I lack, you know, how I don't look like somebody else. And so that's one of the mindset things that I work with them on, but I'm wondering from your perspective with all the people that you've worked with over the years, like what are some like mental or emotional challenges that you or your students have faced and how have you worked to overcome them? Well, you know, like in my younger years, um, I, I fought a weight problem. And when I was 10 years mm-hmm. old, I weighed 160 pounds at a 36 inch waist. And between my junior and senior year, I lost like 45 pounds. And then when I started dancing, my waist was like 27. You know, I, I was really nice and slim, but being, you know, being raised and being around people who were a little chunky or whatever, you know, you're, you know, the yes, it's a glamour business and they do mm-hmm. want to see, you know, be, of course, beautiful people and beautiful bodies and, and perfect feet and legs. But, you know, that's not the norm. Mm-hmm. And I've always tried to encourage people that, like I said earlier, we can, with costuming, hide your flaws. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, uh, you know, there are people who are really too skinny and there are people that are really too heavy. But, you know, like if you're really good, and you, you know, work on your technique and your styling, it's very hard to mark down somebody who's just good. I mean, I can remember my first time judging somebody said, Oh, you know, you marked the wrong person. I'm thinking, first of all, what are you doing looking at my marks? Yeah. And then secondly, I said, Well, for me, she was the best dancer. And she said, Well, she's overweight. I can't, I, I don't know that I could really, I couldn't mark that. I go, Oh my God, this girl was so rhythmical, so fast, so fun, and and so full of uh, musicality that I, I love so much an expression and technically she was very sound. I mean, she could do everything without the guy. I mean, it, the, the, the size of her and the shape of her body didn't detract me from her talent and what she produced on the dance floor. So I'm like, well, you know, that's why I have 17 judges on a, or yeah. however many judges on yeah, a panel yeah. because everybody has an opinion and you know, um, hopefully the best person wins. I just tell my students that win, lose, or draw, it's your um, hobby and your interest right now. Right. Unless I had young ones that were turning professional. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of young girls that were 18 that won the U.S. title and then they turned pro and I helped them find partners and they, you know, moved on to that avenue. But um, you just, I just always say, even to my clients now, you have to be, you just have to get everything so good that they find it hard to mark you. And if they don't mark you, they're going to feel silly not marking you when audience boo or, you know, to see someone who's not obviously as talented or, or producing what you produce, um, they, they, they feel silly and they will. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't justify marking something that's not good for too long of a time before people are like, really? Have you ever had any students of your own that have had major things to overcome mentally or emotionally? Well, I think because, you know, I have always gravitated toward uh, dancing professionally and I've, I've mm. always had competitors. I mean, regardless mm. of the age, they did it as a sport. They wanted to be the best that they could be. And they and I would encourage um, how they would learn because some people want immediate gratification. You know, if they don't get it right away, they're all discouraged. I'm like, you know, it takes a long time to build a house. You know, we have to get your foundation, you know, secure so that when you move out of bronze into silver, um, you're not going to look, you know, odd emotionally. 
everybody gets hurt when, you know, if they don't win, they, they wonder yeah. why, you know, like, and sometimes, you know, I, you know, I have to remind people, well, you know, your posture, you have to really, you know, work on stretching your, you know, head back and keeping that back while you're dancing, you know, maybe your technique and we'll look at the videos and, and the DVDs and, you know, and films and, you know, I'll say, no, see, look at your hands here. Look how you don't have any hip action here and look how you're not closing your legs completely or you took a heel lead on three. You don't know when somebody looks at you. You could have like maybe five seconds, two times in your performance, but you don't know who was looking at you that made that score go down on that paper that way. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I normally score, I usually pick my winner in the first like 15 seconds. I, okay, yeah, let's talk about that. Tell me, everybody, all the amateurs I know, we all want to know what the judges think, what they're looking for. So what is it that Forrest Vance likes to look for? Well, in rhythm and Latin, I love to see the body's work because I was trained to use you know, your back and your hips and your stomach and, of course, caress the wood and the floor and use your legs. You know, so it's hard for me not to look for rhythmical things in a body. Mm. Some people go for speed. To me, speed and line is doesn't take a talent to do that. Mm. Anybody can hit a line quickly. Anybody can learn speed. But if you can put the body rhythms and the muscle groups that you're going to use to, you know, in between those things, it makes it for me luscious. It makes me really captivated. And I want to keep watching because even for professionals, sometimes I walk off the floor, I go, you know what? First person that moves their back or hip gets my score because sometimes they all look alike. Everybody's going for speed and tricks and flexibility. That doesn't really uh, scream talent to me. Mm -hmm. Talent is when you can look like music sounds and two people can move like one in unison. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, we, I've gotten into a lot of not really heated debates, but debates with different people. Like one time, sometimes I would be on like the standard panel or something like that. And one particular judge say, Mark, this one couple first, but I marked them like third. And I said, you know, hey, you know, I'm just wondering what you look for personally since you are, you know, a smoother standard champion. And this person said, I like top line and movement. Said so that's great. I said, what do you what do you think about musicality? Well, that doesn't play so much for me because if they move more than everybody else, they have a better top line. I'm like, oh, okay, that's their opinion. Mm -hmm. For me, if you're off time, you're off time. I cannot look at somebody dancing off time to the music. It bugs me. Mm -hmm. I I cannot do yeah. that. So you know, like here's me working, you know, marking for like the rhythmical aspect because in some instances when you get to your top six, they all look great. But I want to find that special quality, like the, the, the partnership and the musicality and the way your body moves to take you to the position that I, that I particularly want to peg you in. And as you can see, someone else had a different opinion or a different desire than I did. So that's why we have so many people. Mm -hmm. you know, we're all trained differently and we all have, you know, we were all trained differently. I mean, a lot of it's the same. But you grow up with really like some people stick to the merit of what I did for X amount of years. And some people, you know, bend or lose track of what they did. And you have some judges who were never champions. So, yeah. you know, sometimes when they put a mark down, um, they never really felt the agony of defeat. They never I mean, maybe they, they competed for a short time. Some of them maybe never at all. But there's a difference when you are an active competitor doing either pro-am or professional competition for a very long time and know the highs and the lows of the win, the lose, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know? 
sometimes I didn't get marked because of the costume I was wearing. And I'm just like, really? The, you, you base your mark on the color of my costume? You know, that's like, to me, a very shallow uh, explanation. I mean, you could tell me my hip action was bad and my feet were wrong or I was slow on turns or whatever, whatever, whatever. But don't tell me you didn't like my costume or her hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So most of the people, as far as I know, that listen to my podcast are amateurs because that's who I record it for. Do you have one particular piece of advice maybe that you could offer to amateurs? You know, these are the dancers that start as adults and they're they're hobbyists, but passionate. What kind of advice would you give them? Well, I, w- I work with, you know, several amateur couples. And of course, a, a lot of pro-ams because I've, I've made my whole life for 40 Well, and 40- pro-am too. I, I'm speaking to pro-am too because yeah. I'm pro-am, right? Well, you know, like I, I try to do very constructive lessons on the things that are wrong, but at the same time when they do something great, I try to, I try to find an equal balance. Um, I don't like for people to work with people who are just negative on them all the time mm. uh, because I had coaches that were negative on me all the mm. time and it was disheartening. And, and emotionally, even for me, I had to sometimes in my hotel room when I was, you know, dre- getting dressed before I went down, I have to say, I, I'm really good. I'm good at what I do. I can do this, you know. It's important to just keep the confidence that no matter where you are, it's going to be better next week. Even mm-hmm. when my, I've had students say, well, you know, I'm not doing very well. Or I should quit. I go, well, you know, you got fifth. There were 18. How do you think the people yeah. that didn't make the first cut felt? You know, you were lucky to make the six. Or if they were the top three, I said, top three. You're going to cry about being in the top three? Look at the people who didn't make the top 12. Mm-hmm. And I've known, and I've seen them dance against you many, many, many times, and they have not accomplished what you accomplished. If you look at your videos from six months ago, you're better than you were there. You know, you have two options. You can quit and go home and cry about it and (laughs) want something else. Or if you love it, you just say, well, I'm going to get this better. I remember even going, being in the lineup when I was doing smooth as well. And in my jacket pocket, I would keep a cheat sheet of things that my coach would, you know, yell at me about, watch my right shoulder, my right elbow. It's a, it's a difficult thing for everybody, but you just can't let the feed or the negative side of what your teacher or your coach says to you. Um, I mean, everybody, I, I believe in my heart that everybody cares mm-hmm. about what you do. Otherwise they wouldn't say it. Yeah. And sometimes I have to preface this, like, I'm really proud of, you know, how you're doing and the, the changes. I try to use that at the end, almost the end of every lesson. Um, I hope you learned something today. And usually I ask them, what did you learn today? Mm-hmm. Before they walk out the door so they can give me just a few little things that they're going to walk away with. And I don't, I mean, usually it's not negative mm-hmm. because I, I'm trying to do that that balance. But you have to get the uh, criticism mm-hmm. with, you know, constructive uh, sure. how to do it, how to fix it. Yeah. Well, Forrest, lastly, I really want you to tell people about your competition. It's coming up. And I want everybody to go because I love it. It's one of my favorites. So tell us about it. When is it? Well, it's Memorial Day weekend. We start this year on uh, Wednesday, May 24th and go through to Sunday, Saturday night it ends. And uh, for people that have not been there before, um, we have sold out the last two years of two hotels. Mm -hmm. So we're almost at our room block. So if they're going to come, they better grab it quick. Yeah. Um, We have a nightclub night on Wednesday night. Thanks to you and your your people because- you guys are big nightclub dancers and we have a good group of those. So we're having a pajama party, which nice. we'll have uh, 
some food and uh, available and a cash bar. So if people want to have a good time and dancing and competing in their, whatever their PJs, you know, mm -hmm. and then, and then the people's choice for those that have not been the name I put, because sometimes you want to know what the people thought. Yeah. Not the judges, you know, so uh, the people's choice has two things has one thing for student and teacher. It's, it's the most impressive award. Mm -hmm. And package holders get to fill out these uh, secret ballots and they put mm -hmm. them in the little, you know, hopper. And uh, the person who gets the most vo votes, whether one student and one teacher of the event, they win a 14 karat gold medallion necklace, which is the logo of People's Choice. So somebody's awarded that on Saturday night. And then for the professional divisions, which is Saturday night, it's just black tie, which is ultra glamorous. Mm -hmm. We have... Um, just awards, some showcases that were top winners, professional events and prizes and some general dancing. So people can get up and stretch because a lot of times we don't get to do I that. I love general dancing and I don't think enough comps do it because I want to I want to be able to get up too. But we're watching all that dancing, especially like the pro show stuff. And you're just like amped up and I want to dance too. And so I just love those little moments where we just get a little time to shake it. Yeah, they don't, most of them don't put any time in for that. Um, Arizona is interesting because, uh, you know, we start at seven in the evening and we try to be done by 11 because Arizona people, they start leaving at 1030. And mm -hmm. the, the pinnacle of the event is the People's Choice Awards, which are also for the pros because the professional, each professional couple that wins their division does one honor dance competing against each other. And the uh, audience gets to vote on the most impressive couple and that could be whether they were the most fun or they enjoyed their performance the best it has nothing to do with the judges the judges don't even get the vote mm -hmm. and you've been there so it's kind of fun to like walk up there to that line and click 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 and then yeah. <laughs> within five minutes it's done and we we crown the winner and they also get the necklace for him and for her mm -hmm. and then for people who have won each, each time you win that category again as a student as a teacher as a pro couple you get a diamond put in it you know, whether you're, you know, 80 years old, one lady, one year, my lady went to this 94 and she had been in my competition for 20 years in a row. Oh, my God. And when she won, she was like elated. And I was, you know, on the microphone and I was, and she said, can I say something? And I'm like, you know, she's like really cute. Yeah. She grabbed up my microphone. I'm, I'm going to thank everybody. She's doing an Oscar speech. It yeah. was just the cutest thing. You know, but it's lots of nice things when you have highlights like that, you know, and then the resort is, as you know, amazing with, they have an adult pool, they have the, the surf, the like surfer flow rider pool, yeah. lazy river, they have the kids the camp, if you have, if they have kids that can go for the day and turtle hunting and mm -hmm. swimming and they have, you know, activities for them, two golf courses and a full spa. So there's something for everybody. So when you're not dancing. Mm -hmm. You could get and shopping right next door. They have 22 yeah. restaurants and all that fabulous shopping at the Kierlands. It's a great one. All right. Well, Forrest, thank you so much. You're, you're actually the first interview I've ever had on my podcast. So I'm honored that you were willing to chat with me today. Well, I appreciate you inviting me. I love what I do. I'm mm -hmm. very fortunate to, I get kind of emotional to meet mm -hmm. all the beautiful people like yourself that I've met over the years and how they've helped, you know, shape me as a person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm getting yeah. a little emotional, but to shape me as a person, as a man, as a someone who they care about because they know how much I care about them and, mm -hmm. and how much the dancing and the happiness they can achieve 
and the beautiful people that I, I can expose them to because they're exposing me. I mean, I just cannot tell you how many people have touched me over my mm. 45 years. And when I don't see them for five or 10 years, I do see them. It's just like a week went by. Yeah. You know, and it's just very emotional for me mm. as a person because I, I love everybody. I want, I'm like a, miss, a pageant queen. I want, I want peace and happiness for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, peace. I want everybody to win. I, I really, I mean, I just cannot, I cannot give enough away when I um, think about my heart and the joy and the happiness that this industry can bring to so many people. Awesome. Thank you. I'm looking forward to seeing you in May. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Do you have a mindset coach yet? If you don't, you should really think about it because all of the best dancers, all of the best athletes, they have coaches. And it's not because they're weak, it's because they're smart. And they know that if they have gaps that they need to fill, they gotta hire the right people to fill those gaps so that they can fulfill their potential, become the dancer that they always dreamed that they would be. All right, so it's super easy to find out if private coaching is for you. You just get on a dance strategy call with me. It's free, it's simple, it's not very long. And I'll give you some strategies right away that you can apply right away. And then if we wanna to work together beyond that, we can discuss it. But other than that, it's a super simple process. I'll leave information in the show notes about how to make that happen. So thanks for being here today.